Okay. <clears throat> well, it's good uh, to be here with you, and we are in this process together. Uh, so I, I look forward to sharing today, as well as uh, I'll be sharing two more sermons in the, the weeks to come that are along these lines. And it's a little bit different than normal. We're still preaching the Word, but we also are giving you a little bit of a glimpse, maybe more into my story and into the things that are, are part of the vision that, that I feel like God has given me for Calvary Church and to allow you just to get to know me a little bit more. And so today we're looking into Rooted and Calling. And for us, what, what I hope for today is that you don't just get a sense of how I'm rooted or what I believe I'm rooted in, but also that you're thinking through, what are you rooted in? You're not just thinking about my calling and hearing uh, some of my calling story, but you're also considering your calling. How do your gifts and passions align to see what, what does God have for you to make an impact for his kingdom in this world? So we'll go through that today. So it is... It, it still is a little bit different than normal. I'll just bring that out. And, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. So today, rooted and calling. And with the first part is rooted. When we think about what are we rooted in? How are we rooted? And so to start thinking about that, I want us to consider just the metaphors of trees or vines or plants that are rooted. And there's so much metaphor about vineyards and vines and grapes and wine throughout the scriptures. And so today as we just look at this image of a vineyard, this, this vineyard is actually one that Matt Davis and I visited in Sardis, Turkey, one of the seven churches of Revelation in Revelation 3. And so just a normal example of a vineyard. And when you have a vineyard, you want to produce grapes that are healthy and strong and good. And you want to produce the best grapes that you can. And now in very, very simple terms, as I'm not a farmer, but uh, the, the notion is, is that if one wants to produce the best grapes, they are produced from vines that have deep roots. And the, the ones that have deep roots, they can't get those deep roots if they're just getting their nutrients and the moisture from the very surface of the soil. What they need to be able to do is they need to be able to dig deep. And so what they need is there needs to be a layer of, of dry or rocky soil that they have a sense of struggle to get through. That there's a season of struggle. We might even use terms in, in our you know, Christian world of trial or suffering. That there's struggle to get through that dry rocky soil to get down into that nutrient-rich soil that's deep down. And then therefore, they've got deep roots. And then they're strong and mature and healthy. And those vines produce the best grapes. All right, so in that way, in that same way, we can make those applications to our lives where we as people go through periods of struggle. And that struggle allows us to dig deep roots, but that matures us and makes us stronger. I think even Calvary Church is a church with deep roots. We've gone through seasons where we've struggled, where we've had hard times, suffering, trial. And God has given us deep-rootedness. And so now, out of that deep-rootedness, we want to take that and, and, and use that health and maturity and then bear fruit. And then share that fruit with others. And have that be something, a way that we are then expressing our gifts and our, our, our 
deep-rootedness and healthy vines with the rest of the world. And so you might wonder, okay, well then, what, what is your sense of struggle? Or what is your rootedness, Eric? And so I just wanted to share a little bit with you that, uh, of my life. And, you know, gone through all sorts of different seasons in my life. My wife and I went through seasons of, uh, of infertility and miscarriage that were pretty deep. And for us, that deepened our roots in some way. My wife, actually, uh, she went through, her, her early years were years of big struggle. Uh, she was, uh, her dad died when she was young. Her mom uh, had early onset Alzheimer's in her 40s. And when my wife was five years old, kindergartner, she would get up, she would get herself up, she would make her own breakfast, make her own lunch, walk herself to school as a little kindergartner until she was eventually, uh, by her half-sister, kind of rescued, adopted out of that situation and then taken in. And that's her half-sister is, is just mom now. That's mom. And uh, so it's, it's a beautiful story in some way, but it's also a story of struggle. And there had been some hard times throughout that. We even have had to go through periods where we've developed some certain boundaries in our, in our family through certain things that happened in that time. And, and so we've, we grew some deep-rootedness through that. For me, though, I think the, the, the area that, uh, of my life that maybe even more recently has, I think, helped me to have a sense of rootedness was uh, this, this week, this week was uh, the one-year anniversary of my mom passing away. And I was talking to a friend about this, and it wasn't just that my mom died. I mean, we, all, we experienced loss, and loss is a, is, a, is a part of struggle and hurt where we grow deep-rootedness. But this was, you know, uh, my mom had Alzheimer's, uh, as just the same as my wife's mom. And, but my mom wasn't just, I don't know, it, it was the whole thing of it was six years in a care home where she couldn't feed herself. She couldn't speak for the last three or four years of her life. And it was that for even a couple years before she was in that care home that we've just had several years, you know, several years of struggle. And a friend of mine just referred to that even uh, just this week said, you know, Eric, it's not just that your mom died. It's, it was long suffering. It was a long period of suffering. And, and I will tell you, and honestly, I'm like a little cried out from first service. I kind of was like a mess up here. <laughs> but um, uh, it's, it's just, it's that period of time was, I, I'm a different man than I was several years ago. I tell you that, like straight up. Like I am a changed person because of the deep rootedness that God did in me. I didn't want to have it, you know, but God did that work in me over those years. And I feel like I'm a much more compassionate man. I'm a man that's uh, probably quicker to cry than I was before. Uh, I'm a man that understands when people are going through hurt in a different way, you know. And so I want you to, to hear that sense of, of what God did in me. And I wonder what has God been doing in you? What has God been doing in your life? How has he been giving you deep roots? And I want us as Calvary Church to have that sense of deep rootedness. Now, not just from our experiences, but, but also from from what we can learn about rootedness in the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there, look to the outline. It has these references. But first of all, we are rooted in the Word of God. We are rooted in the Bible, in the Scriptures, the very Word of God. Uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 3 that I want to read to you here is, 
O Lord, oops, wrong verse. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So that person that loves God's word, that delights and meditates on the word of God, what will that person be like? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. When we are rooted in the word of God, we will be like that tree that is firmly planted and bears fruit. And that's what we are to be. And that's what Calvary Church has been historically from the very beginning. We are rooted in the word of God. That we say that the word of God, the Bible, is the ultimate authority in our lives. And that is what we will find any source of of any life. It's how we know God. God is revealed to us. Jesus is revealed to us through this book. We get to know the character of God through the word of God. So we are rooted. And I tell you, I am rooted in the word of God. And I commit to maintaining that rootedness in God's word that we have here at Calvary Church. So we're rooted in God's word. We're also rooted in the trust of God. We are rooted in the trust of God, that we place our hope and trust in God and in God alone. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 is, a, is an awesome little passage. And it says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. So we don't just place our, our trust and hope in God in this sort of cross our fingers and hope it works out sort of way. No, God is our trust, is the one whose trust is the Lord, that all of our hope, everything that we would ever have and hope for and trust in is from God. So we are rooted in that. And the person whose trust is the Lord, it says, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. So when we are rooted in that trust of God, even when dry times come, even when hard times come, we still have that ability to bear fruit in our lives. Even in that drought, we will yield fruit when we're rooted in trust of God. Okay, so rooted in the word of God, rooted in trust of God, and then rooted in the love of God. Love. Love is, when you look into the scriptures, love, without love, it's meaningless. The greatest of these is love. Love is the most important thing as it's talked about in the scripture and the love of Christ. And so we look into a verse like uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So we're rooted in that love of God, love of Christ. And that is what, you know, when we find our rootedness in that love, we don't seek that love or acceptance from anything else. So we have that rootedness in that love of God. And then finally, who is that 
<laughs> what is that love of God about? It is that we are rooted in the Son of God. We are rooted in Christ himself. Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in him and establishing your faith. So check this out. First, you've been saved. You've received Christ Jesus as your Lord. Now you want to walk in him, but you're walking in him because you're already rooted in him. You're grounded in him. Your feet are firmly on the ground in Christ Jesus. And so then now you're being built up. You're being like, you've been established in your faith just as you were instructed. And then it says we overflow with gratitude. And I love that because that kind of takes me back to some of this joy that we even talked about last week of that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy that comes from God is what gives us strength to live each day and we overflow with gratitude. It's that, it's, it's not just a kind of a simple thanks. This is an overflowing with gratitude that just is expressed to others and I think will be contagious to others as well. But then as we are rooted in Christ— Now we can see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. When we are rooted in the Word of God, which helps show us who the Son of God is, we will know that we will not be swayed back and forth by just whatever new trendy thing it is to think about. Okay, that we have our rootedness in Christ. So I want you to know that Calvary Church has been rooted in these things and will continue to be rooted in these. I am rooted in these. This is my passion and what I care about for this church. That, that Calvary Church, we are. We're rooted in Christ, the Word of God, our core values, long-standing beliefs and doctrines. We want to continue to give high priority to those things that are distinctives of Calvary Church. There's been some things that have been distinctives of Calvary Church over our 86-year history. And that's been global missions, as we learned about from from John and Julie Clark and Dave up here earlier. Global missions, expository Bible preaching, teaching God's Word through books of the Bible, chunk by chunk, and expositing it for our lives as well. And we we, want to be committed to that in the future, as well as excellent family ministries. Over the years, we've had amazing children's and student ministries, and and we will continue to have an emphasis on that. These are things that we will continue to uphold. That's our rootedness and our future both. Because we don't necessarily want to radically change who we are. Yeah, we need to keep growing and being challenged and being challenged even in ways that we can be sharing the gospel more with others. But I, I like this quote for us is that we have no shot to be somebody else. But we have every shot to be the best version of ourselves. Okay, are you with me? That we are continually growing and changing, but we still have that core sense of our rootedness and our DNA here at Calvary Church. Now, so, so we talked about how we're rooted in those core distinctives. One thing I think, though, is that Calvary Church has actually been 
I had pretty great history in, in some other areas as well. And I think the, the main one I want to talk about here is creative local evangelism. Creative ways to reach out to our community. And I think that we need to kind of get some of our passion back for some of that. And uh, this goes, I mean, this goes all the way back to the 1930s of tent meetings when they were starting the church. Then to uh, later on with Popo's Beds. This was a military outreach from Popo Grisette and then passed on to Lauren Grisette. That was just this um, amazing ministry outreach to people that were in the military during war times. And people came and men just would sleep here on campus. And you can see a picture of them in those beds. And then be fed a, a meal in the morning and then come to the church service. It's a huge legacy of our church, uh, of ways that we are doing creative local evangelism. And then it went into uh, a time called The Door. The Door was this huge outreach thing in the 70s and 80s. It went back to the 70s. I don't know if you know that, but you can tell if you look at that picture probably. But um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing outreach on Friday nights. of just bands and all sorts of fun games and crazy times. And just so many people came to Calvary and got saved through these Friday night events called The Door. Uh, there's been other things called, uh, something called Care and Concern Day. Maybe you've been a part of Care and Concern Day where just people in the community would come, get their cars worked on, cars washed, receive other kinds of services. We did uh, sort of a, a reboot of that this last year called Neighbor Good. And we're going to do that again this fall. So be, be looking out for that, Neighbor Good. But just an amazing way to serve our community. And so we want to continue that. And we want to be good neighbors. And I think we're going to be challenged to, to see how we can grow as good neighbors, great neighbors to the people around Calvary Church and around our own homes and communities. So I, I just loved that legacy. Uh, but the, the last thing when thinking about rootedness that I, that I want to say is um, just have a, a quote for us to look at. And it's a quote from our history. And it's a quote uh, from when they were thinking in 1930 about why start a new church. Calvary started in 1931. So they're thinking about why start a new church. And, and here's this quote. By 1930, many of the main denominational churches in Orange County had embraced the modernist teachings that included evolution, the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, and the divine inspiration of the scriptures were also now being questioned among other truths that had been held without question for generations before. Now, what I, a couple things that I think are interesting about this. One is, I love that Calvary Church has been rooted in the Word of God and held strong to the truths of the Word of God for 86 years. And I would also say that you could probably say I'm planning a church in 2017 and say by 2017, many of the, non, many of the main denominational churches in Orange County and then just continue with this exact same sentence today. And I think that that kind of shows us how we've held that, that sense of, of, of rootedness to God's Word and how strong we place it. And so I just make that same commitment that we will hold God's word as the inspired by God and authoritative for our lives. And that's how we want to live and act as we go into the future. And we can do that in all sorts of fun, creative ways, but are rooted in the word of God. So, rooted. Now let's transition a bit to calling. Let's talk about calling. Calling not just for my calling, but what is calling, okay? Calling, first of all, it's very important. 
calling. I'm not talking about some sort of specific calling to one specific job or, you know, I'm trying to determine God's specific will of whether I should turn left or right at this next uh, intersection. It's not like that. What I want us to talk a little bit about is that calling is more about who you are becoming than what you are doing. And we are being shaped and formed by God as followers of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And we are then living out our calling in some unique ways. Now, calling uh, is also, it is also specific in some ways. And that is that calling is coming to understand your God-given gifts and passions. And then finding out how you can use them. Where has God designed you to use those gifts and passions? So we want to help, help us to be prayerful and figuring out, Lord, how have you shaped and designed me? And where, have you, where do you want to place me to use that design for your kingdom? That's coming to a sense of our calling. Now, uh, I want to look at a couple scriptures real quick, if we can, just to uh, get a sense of what, where is it talking about this in the scriptures. And the first is Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, and then we'll look at 11 through 12. And it says, Therefore, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, this sort of calling is talking about your calling to be saved as a follower of Jesus. This is just you living out the Christian life that God has called you to live in the world in which you live it. And how should you then live it? With all humility and gentleness, with patience. Uh, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then it says, there is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. Okay, so there's this one calling, this calling that we have to live as followers of Jesus. Now, it gets specific a few verses later, verse 11 and 12. Now it gets into some gifting. It says, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. All right, so that we can find there's some specificness. Like I want you to think about, okay, how is God gifting and shaping you in your life? Romans 12 talks about this as well, where it says, just as we have many members in one body. They're talking about our actual body parts. Just as we've got lots of different body parts, but we're one body. So it's the same thing for all of us. That in the church, we're all, we all play a different part. We all are a different part of that body, but we're still one. And it says then, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. And then it goes on. If serving, if giving, if leading, and all these other different sorts of gifts. And so we know that there is some specificity. But how can we then use our God-given gifts and passions in this world and, and live out our calling? So I thought, maybe I should just tell you a little bit of my story of my calling. And so I'd like to do that uh, and just have a little kind of story time. I'm going to bring up the stool and we'll sit and just relax a little bit and just have some story time. So <laughs> my life, my story of my calling. And it starts that, uh, and some of you know some of this stuff. Uh, I've talked about it here and there. But my brother and sister were, uh, were born 
20 years before me. My parents were told they couldn't have kids anymore. And so they believed them. 20 years goes by. And then my parents were blessed with me. Yay. <laughs> and so uh, then I come along uh, 20 years after, and, and I'm born. And when I'm a baby, uh, my, I was diagnosed with leukemia, cancer of the blood. And... Uh, you know, it's pretty probably shocking and terrifying to parents. And they've come to this point of being excited of having this baby. And then this baby has cancer. And so they actually called in the elders of the church to come lay hands on me and anoint me with oil in my hospital bed. And they prayed over me for healing. And the next round of testing, there was no sign of cancer in my body. That I was miraculously healed by God. And that was the very beginnings of my story. But then my parents went to have me dedicated uh, the whole like child dedication, baby dedication moment. And at my church, uh, where we're at, the pastor uh, you know, took me and, and he held me like this with like, my butt in his hands and held me up high like this with one hand. And he walked around the stage and he prayed this prayer that said, one day this baby will grow up to become a pastor. And my parents didn't tell me that until I did one day become a pastor. Uh, so then my life goes along and had some... Highs and lows in high school I've talked about here. And then uh, I'm about to head to UC Santa Barbara to be a political science major in, uh, in college. I wanted to make a difference in the world of government and politics and all that. And then the summer before I, I got there, so the summer after I graduated, I went on a missions trip to inner city Chicago. And it's with the same organization that does our L.A. trips and st- stuff like that that maybe many of you have gone with, but to Chicago. And uh, we went there, and part of it is you go, and they want to give you different worship experiences and just different kinds of experiences. So we went to this uh, midweek evening prayer service at a black gospel church that was just super, just amazing, energetic, all of that, and um, uh, this incredible evening. And they asked people if they wanted to come forward to receive prayer. And so I was kind of, you know, let's just, let's be all in with this. Let's just go for it, right? So I go, and I go forward. And uh, the pastor comes up to me, and he's just super intense and just puts his hand right on my head. Kind of almost hurt, you know. He's like squeezing my head. And, uh, <laughs> and he just prays this prophetic prayer. It says, young man, this young man will one day or will become a pastor. This is your calling. You will become a pastor. And I'm sitting there like, what? No, I'm going to Santa Barbara. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> UCSB is crazy. Have you seen the place? <laughs> I'm not going to become a pastor, but, um, but I was, uh, but that still, that was part of my story and that impacted me. So I get to Santa Barbara, I get to UCSB, uh, a little, little picture of it up here. It's a beautiful campus. And I get there and I get really involved with Crew, which was then called Campus Crusade for Christ. And I'm being discipled weekly and one-on-one discipled weekly and it was great. I also was doing all this evangelism. I, I, I had a little table. We'd set up this little table outside of the dining hall and we would ask people to fill out surveys and they'd be surveys just about the spiritual life, just things, spiritual things. And people would fill out this survey and the last thing they would say is you check a box if you're willing to have someone come by your dorm room to talk to you about these spiritual things. And so I'd take these surveys after we'd have them fill out and I would go and I'd knock on people's dorm rooms and just share with them about Jesus and have these amazing conversations and people came to know the Lord. And it was great. I loved it. And it was, it was sparking something in me. Something is happening to me during this year of, of serving God in this way. Uh, and then in the spring of that freshman year, uh, we went to the movies with some friends. 
and we went to see the movie uh, Malcolm X with Denzel Washington. And it's kind of just interesting that this, this movie of all movies is part of my calling story, but it really was because I was incredibly impacted, not by his commitment to Nation of Islam, but by his commitment that he was Malcolm X's level of commitment and dedication to his belief. I felt like, why am I not as committed to Jesus Christ as he is committed to what he believes? And that was stirring something inside of me during this movie. And I, I was just silenced. And I left the theater with all my friends and just completely quiet. Get in the car, drive home, back to the dorm, completely quiet. I just left everybody, went to my room, grabbed my Bible, and I walked out to Campus Point. And I walked out to those bluffs, those cliffs overlooking the ocean. And I stood out there just praying, Lord, what are you doing in me? What is happening in my life right now? And I prayed and I opened my Bible and I turned to Ezekiel 33. And I've, I've said this before that I, this is not how I recommend finding God's will for your life, but it's what happened to me. And so I just opened my Bible and I just start reading from Ezekiel 33. And it says, you will be a watchman for your people. There is danger coming. And you are to sound the trumpet of warning for the danger. If you do sound the trumpet of warning and they don't respond, the blood will be on their own head. But if you do not sound the trumpet of warning, the blood will be on your own. I was, whoa, that's pretty big. I'm 18 years old. I'm in freshman year of college. Like, what does this mean? And I'm praying and I'm seeking God. And I, I just, I had this incredible moment of absolute clarity, absolute certainty that God was speaking to me, that in that moment he was calling me to be a pastor in a church. I did not know where or how or what that would look like, but I knew that that's what I'd be doing. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from my home church, Ocean Hills Community Church in San Juan Capistrano. I get a phone call from the youth pastor that says, Hey, Eric, we're starting an internship program in our youth ministry. We were wondering if you'd want to be part of it. And I'm just like, what? God, you're amazing. Like, how is this? This is so incredible to see you work in this way. So I started the process of transferring to Biola University. And that next year I, I did, I transferred to Biola. And I got involved with that internship program and started working in the junior high and high school, making $150 a month. And uh, I was stoked. I was so happy to make that much money. And, <laughs> and uh, this is 1993. And so I start serving. I'm doing that. And then, uh, and then uh, that, that summer was my birthday. And this part's a little more emotional because of what you're going to see here. Uh, this was my parents, because I was just getting into ministry and transferring to Biola. They gave me for my 19th birthday one of those big old huge King James Version Strong's Concordance of the Bible. Exhaustive Concordance. It was this huge book. And on the front, on the front page of the book, on the inside, has this inscription. It says, love mom and dad, but that's my mom's handwriting. Uh, my mom died a year ago. <laughs> and it says this. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. And who correctly handles the word of truth. I keep this on my bulletin board in my office. And I'll tell you, 
I have not lived a perfect life. I've made lots of mistakes along the way. But I feel like my mom would be proud of me that I've done this. That I've lived up to this. Because it's my calling. (laughs) It's my calling to present myself to God as one approved, a workman who will not be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And, you know, I, I said this last week, but that's just where I'm following Jesus. Just we follow him with me, you know. That's why I'm, I'm just, I'm following Jesus each step, each day. And I feel called to it. My story continued that uh, I took that on and was studying, you know, I'm going to Biola and all that. And it was that fall that my home church asked me uh, to become the junior high pastor of the church. And I don't know, it's kind of a crazy thing that they would ask me. It, t- it was an interesting process to get there, but I mean, it wasn't like a small thing. There was like 85 kids in the youth group and they asked me, I'm, I, it's literally like my sophomore year in college, the fall of my sophomore year. I asked for a month to pray about it and I did and I prayed and it felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And so in January of 1994, I became that junior high pastor at Ocean Hills Community Church. And I served there for seven years in that role. And it was after that where I felt <sighs> some things had changed in the church. And I was also kind of feeling a bit of, like, it was time for me to stretch my wings a bit. And to, to be able to go somewhere that wasn't just, like, my home church. And I was wanting to have a, a, a different experience. And so I started to put some applications out. But I was also in a small group then. And I was in a small group with some friends that were friends from college. And those people were, or six of us, it was myself and my wife, B. There was Jason and Aaron Krushevich. There was Matt Davis and a girl named Leah Hess. And it was not Leah Hess who is our head of school here. It was a totally different person named Leah Hess, which is just also weird. But, um, uh, you know, but it was those six people. And, and Matt Davis says, hey, we're looking for a junior high pastor at Calvary. So if you don't like me, it's Matt Davis' fault. All right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that is uh, where I... But that's, yeah, I came and I interviewed with Jeff Biddle and Matt Shea and Bob Johnson and with the whole elder board and Dave, part of it, with a, a student ministries team that they'd had at the time. And so interviewed, came on staff and was a youth pastor for a few years and then 10 years ago became this executive pastor of ministry role and have just been living out my calling. And uh, most recently, just to get all the way up to the present was... In these last couple years, in these last couple years, uh, I've had some moments where, you know, when we preach, uh, typically the person that, that preaches is the one that comes up at the end of the service and has, does the benediction, the closing prayer, that closing of the service moment. And I've had some, some times in that closing prayer moment and the benediction where I've come up, and this has happened just a few times in these last couple years, where I'll come up to pray, and everyone's standing usually because we've sang a song, and I'll come to st- stand here and I look out and I feel like the Holy Spirit is doing a deep work in me. And the Holy Spirit was telling me and, and giving me a love and a, a burden in a, in a healthy way, a burden of responsibility, a shepherding responsibility for this flock. And was changing some of, like, of how I felt. Always had that love, but was doing some sort of deeper work in me for that. This heart and love and care for what happens to this body of believers. What happens to Calvary Church. What happens to each of you individually, but also us as a whole. And so I, I just want you to consider. Think about my calling story and how that could inspire you. But also think of 
your calling story? You know, and how would you respond to all of this? If you, if you still have your notes, if you have your notes, I encourage you to look at them. Because the way I want us to respond today is for you to look at the next steps on the back. And the next steps on the back just have some ways for you to pray. Maybe even it's, it's a way for you to journal and, and, and think and just meditate on this. Because I don't want you just to come up here and you've thought about, okay, man, I, it's so much I don't want this, even this whole fall shouldn't be all about should Eric Wakeling be the senior pastor of Calvary Church or not. I certainly hope that we are growing and being transformed by God each week as we come here and give glory to God that he deserves. So I just, what I hope for for you is, is this. When you look at these next steps, take some time to pray through and consider your roots. Read through these texts. What are you rooted in? How have you looked to things other than Christ to be your roots? How has struggle and trial allowed your roots to grow deeper and mature you? And how can you pass on these lessons to the next generation? No matter what age you are, you can pass on lessons to the next generation. Okay? Now, then number two, take some time to pray through and consider your sense of calling. Read through those texts. Who are you becoming in Christ? What are your gifts and passions? How has God uniquely designed you to make an impact for his kingdom? And how are you pursuing that? And how are you passing that on? Be prayerful through that. As we consider what we should do as a church, I just hope that we have a a body of people who've come out of this that have a deep sense of their rootedness in Christ, in the Word of God, and they know what our gifts and passions are and how we can live them out for His kingdom. Let's pray together for that. Heavenly Father, we come before you and, and thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your Word, God. Thank you for the way that these Scriptures reveal who you are. What your plan has been and is, Lord, and how you gift us and you instill in us these passions and desires to serve you and your kingdom, God. And so I pray, Lord, we would have a deep sense of our rootedness in you and also a sense of our calling that you have given us, God. And Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon Calvary Church. In Jesus' name, amen.